The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hey, before we start the show, we have a quick favor to ask you. As many places in America enter their second month of social distancing, questions are coming up about what's okay. Can you drive to another town to see your mom from a distance if you never get out of the car? What about taking a bike ride with a friend who stays six feet away? Daily life now involves a lot of confusing risk calculations. So what social distancing ethics and etiquette are you wondering about? We want to know. Leave us a voicemail with your question at 646-324-3490. We'll answer some of your questions, and we may use your voice on a future show. And now, today's show. It's day 42 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Our main story? Patients who are seriously ill from diseases besides COVID-19 are finding themselves in a strange limbo. Getting treatment in hospitals is riskier than ever, and doctors are forced to delay procedures without knowing for sure whether patients will suffer long-term harm. But first, here's what happened today. New York is building a tracing army to track the origin of individual coronavirus cases, according to Governor Andrew Cuomo. At his daily press conference today, the governor said that Doing this kind of so-called contact tracing will reduce the spread and let the state focus on reopening. Uh, And we've been talking about testing, tracing, and then isolating. Uh, And that is going to be the key going forward. That's how you are educated and have some data points as you're working your way through this reopening calibration. And we set as a goal yesterday to double the number of state tests to go from 20,000 on average to 40,000. Cuomo said the state would work with Connecticut and New Jersey on the initiative. Former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg volunteered to help the state implement the program and will donate $10 million to the effort. Michael Bloomberg is the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg News. New evidence suggests the new coronavirus may have been spreading in the U.S. earlier than previously thought. In California, two Santa Clara residents who died in early February were infected with the virus, according to the county's public health department. The first death, on February 6, was 20 days earlier than what was previously believed to be the first U.S. fatality. And it came three weeks before health officials identified the first infection that didn't have a known tie to other cases. The deaths were also weeks before cities and states started implementing widespread social distancing measures. At the time, U.S. attempts to track the virus were limited. 
tests were scarce, and the criteria for who could be tested was tightly limited. It's not the only thing the U.S. may have gotten wrong about the spread of the virus. The Trump administration's projections for how many in the country will die from the coronavirus may be short by about 100,000, according to the American Civil Liberties Union. That's because it hasn't fully accounted for the high prison population in the country. Models that account for the hundreds of thousands of incarcerated people suggest there will be many more deaths than projected, unless inmate populations are rapidly reduced, the ACLU said. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said the House will pass the emergency $484 billion relief package tomorrow, giving small companies quick access to additional loans. Pelosi also said on Bloomberg Television that a major package of aid for state and local government will be in the next stimulus legislation considered by Congress. That sets up a conflict with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who is urging a slowdown in doling out federal help. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher-level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more. And now, our main story. The waves of coronavirus patients flooding hospitals across the country have put an unprecedented strain on our healthcare system. But it doesn't mean other diseases just go away. The crisis is putting care on hold for a lot of people with other serious health conditions, like cancer. Doctors are delaying procedures and surgeries in order to save resources like hospital beds and ventilators for COVID-19 patients and prevent the infection from spreading. But, as Bloomberg News reporter Emma Cord explains, doctors are forced to make often difficult choices about what constitutes an urgent procedure. And experts worry that we're feeding another kind of healthcare crisis, one with consequences we're only beginning to see. Jenny Elstrom has had a type of blood cancer since 2010. Jenny is 52 and lives in Salt Lake City with her family. In early April, she needed to see the doctor for some tests that would help her understand the status of her cancer. But she was worried. I had to make this risk-benefit analysis. Is it worse for me to wait and then have my numbers go up and not know what I could be doing about it, even if I had to start treatment? Or do I wait and maybe have um, a disease that's growing more out of control? So I was really holding off on doing that just because I didn't want to put myself at risk. Jenny did decide to go to the hospital. Her doctor recommended a 7 a.m. appointment as the safest time to go in. She didn't sleep well the night before. I woke up really early and I had an N95 mask, put that on, put my gloves on, and went in and 
the streets are pretty quiet. <laughs> there was no traffic going up to the university, which there usually is, even at that time of the morning. Jenny says now, even getting into the hospital to receive care is different. Going into the facility, you know, I walked in, they took my temperature, they were taking everyone's temperature that was walking in the facility. There were signs everywhere that basically you, there are no visitors um, or very few visitors, a single visitor. And I went up to the floor and I was the only patient that I saw on the entire floor. No one's getting routine testing right now, no mammograms, no stuff you would normally schedule for preventative care or even just part of your regular care. They were cleaning off all the chairs and surfaces when I got in and there were very few people working in the lab. So it's truly changing normal cancer care. And I think that's the case for every other disease too. Jenny says she's glad she went in for the tests. The doctor told her she won't have to start treatment immediately. But it's not always up to the patient. Hospitals are still doing surgeries that are considered emergencies, but in many cases are pushing off other kinds of procedures. Those procedures include lots of things the average patient wouldn't consider optional, like cancer surgeries or a knee replacement. John Hick is an emergency medicine doctor in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He says doctors often make the decision to delay this kind of care based on three things how much time it'll take, how much expertise is needed, and what the treatment involves. You know, if we needed to take those resources all together, what's the overall investment that we're going to have to make, you know, in the patient? And and then what are we investing in? You know, so in kind of cold, hard economic terms, what's the return on investment here for this particular patient? So we have to try to bring the best evidence that we can to bear on the situation, but nothing's perfect. You know, and I think that's the thing with medicine is I used to tell people who wanted a firm answer, and I get that all the time, doctor, you have to tell me, you know, I, I need to know, I need to know 100%. And I always say there's nothing that's 100% in medicine. Doctors in the U.S. are delaying care for some in order to avoid what happened in China and Italy. Hospitals there were overwhelmed by COVID-19 patients. This led doctors to have to make agonizing decisions about who to treat and where to put resources. Matthew Winia is a bioethicist at the University of Colorado. He says the situation presents major ethical questions. We're almost certainly going to have some people with non-COVID disease who are harmed as a result of delays in the care that they receive. There's no perfect way to do this because no matter how you slice up that pie, someone's not going to like how much they got. Many doctors are turning to virtual visits with their patients to fill the gap. But not everything can be done that way. Jason Fung is a kidney specialist based in Toronto, Canada. He says he worries that people are staying home even when it poses health risks. Many of Fung's patients are elderly and have other health problems. They're more vulnerable to COVID-19, and they're afraid of getting it. The other day, I admitted a patient who was so scared about COVID that they didn't get their blood pressures checked. They didn't get it taken care of. And I admitted that patient with a stroke. Uh, that's not reversible. 
like they will suffer from that. They can't see properly. So they will suffer from that for the rest of their life. Bioethicist Matthew Winia says access to medical care has always been an issue in our health system. The pandemic has just thrust these subjects into even clearer view. But he does see a silver lining here. Things like virtual visits are becoming much more used and accepted. So there are ways in which, because of a disaster, you develop new ways of thinking and new ways of doing things that will then carry on afterwards. You know, the saying that necessity is the mother of invention. We're having to invent a lot of things right now because we have to. And some of those will lead to long-term improvements, I hope, in the healthcare system. The U.S. is starting to talk about reopening states. That would include non-COVID procedures. But until then, patients and doctors will still have to make the difficult choices about when and where care happens. That was Emma Court. And that's it for our show today. For more on the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And one small favor. If you appreciate the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is hosted by me, Laura Carlson. The show was produced by me, Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, and Magnus Henriksen. Today's main story was reported by Emma Court. Original music by Leo Sidrin, and our editors are Francesca Levy and Rick Schein. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.